It's legitimately um, my list, but I knew we were going to fight about it. <laughs> and I was ready. Oh, goodness me. You can just sing, It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful, a beautiful day, day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you, you be mine? It's a beautiful day in this beauty wood. Yeah, that, that one always threw me off a day for a, a beauty. Yeah. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor. We don't even have to do it. Just show. like We can you. just sing. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't, Won't you, you be, be my neighbor? neighbor? <laughs> Won't you be? <laughs> Please, won't you be my neighbor? There was a guy who tried to get the whole crowd singing at the screening I went to. Oh, really? He was like apparently some Denver anchor, area anchor. Um, it did not, the crowd. Didn't like, take. He didn't, he didn't prep the crowd. He just like got up in front. Yeah, no, no, no. And was no. just like, yeah. And he started, and so a couple of people like, hey. <laughs> and so he it's had to. It's been a long shit. time for a lot of those people to know any of the music, right? You know, it's. I know it's way too many Mr. Rogers songs now that I think about it. That's not a problem. I think that's all right. You can never go down. You can never go down. Can never go down the drain. I've always had a problem retaining song lyrics. It is not a strength of mine. Mm. Either I forget them entirely or I hear them way wrong, like and sing yeah. them wrong forever. Like I am not good at song lyrics. You know what? I think it's your generation, honestly, because you didn't grow up with commercials like I did, right? What? With the lyrics on the screen? Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> No, because we were we. I grew up in the golden age of lyrics, jingles. You know, well, my Bologna has a first name. It's O S E A. I know stuff like that. Yeah, but it came from my generation. Wop, wop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. You know, I I know that stuff. It's not generate. My wife is great at it, and my kids are great at it. My kids know song. I think it's just a brain. You know, per, I don't know that it's personality. It's a problem it's with your brain, brain thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, you know me. I've got brain problems. <laughs> I've known that for a long time. <laughs> You're just glad to hear me finally admit it. <laughs> exactly. I think we should, can we like cut that out and just play it? Like, can I have a button that presses that? And <laughs> You could, know I, I have brain problems. That, yeah. I think it would be great. <laughs> Next time we talk about the haunting. Paul will just have like a Staples that was easy button <laughs> to play. And just, uh, you know, I have brain problems. <laughs> You know, I know you can get me for Christmas. That makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, have we started the podcast? This is yeah. This is all going in. The oh, okay. Yep. Because yeah. uh, we're we're here to talk about a beautiful day in the neighborhood. The new Mister Rogers biopic, not to be confused with biopic. It's a very confusing. I've term. called it biopic for a long time. I still do. It's one of those my brain just likes to call biopic. Yeah. Well, we've but established it's, now it's biopic. You, know, you say it like two words, even though people put them together. Well, and here's the thing. It's not really a biopic. 
right? That is a, a weird thing about this Because film. it's totally fictional, except that it has real people, and it's sort of based it's on this partially, real... It's, it's yeah. partially true and partially not. Yeah. Uh, it A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood went all sorts of places that I did not expect, and so we're going to dive into that. We're also going to uh, use the occasion of Frozen 2. Two huge movies releasing this weekend. That Those two. I can't believe that... Who, who decided that those should go head-to-head? Yeah. Sadly, you know, Mr. Rogers is going to get the short end of the stick. It's a bummer. Because it's not a kid's movie. No. And so he's going to bomb. He's not well, going to bomb. There might, okay, there might be enough, like, adults looking for that, holiday, Hanks, that holiday movie. Maybe there's enough that the crowd isn't going to cannibalize And itself. everybody loves Mr. Rogers. Everybody. They do. They do but... Um, there's some interesting but things. But Frozen 2 is going to beat the tar out of it. Yeah, that's, that's true. There's some interesting things that uh, I'm excited to talk about with, with both of those things. But we're using Frozen 2. I'll offer a couple of comments on it. But we wanted to use it to springboard into a conversation on the top Disney princesses of all time. Yes, because Rank Geeks. Nothing that's screams, the official title, right? That's right, in our Rank Geeks segment. Because nothing screams 2019 like two white adult men ranking... <laughs> Females. <laughs> and that's why you come to this show for that type of content. So we're going to dive right into that later on. Oh, man. And of course, wrap up with the most least important thing. But for now, it's time to talk about a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Paul revealed uh, in a previous episode, uh, I watched A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood just within the last couple of weeks. Paul apparently watched it last year or some. Paul, when did you actually get when did you get your super secret screening? Super secret screening Because game. I thought I was on all the screening lists, but yeah. apparently Paul got some super no, secret I'm, screenings. I'm much more special than you in terms of super secret screenings. I, I got to see it six weeks ago, I think. Six whole weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. It was actually really tough because... I didn't write the review until two weeks ago. So you forgot everything. Almost, except that it was such a memorable movie that I, I retained more than you, I thought. You should have stayed for the double feature like I did. I did Frozen 2 and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood back-to-back. That is quite the double feature. Yeah. You must have been smiling like crazy on your way home. It was much better than the previous and only double feature I had ever done before, as far as like reviewing things as an adult. And because my previous one was I did The Wolf of Wall Street and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty in the same night. Literally back to back. And that would be so that would be so hard. So rough. Like they are polar opposite. like one is the feel good movie of the century. Oh. And the other one's like Humanity should burn. Oh yeah. No doubt. Should burn. They are like the polar opposite movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sort of like the Broncos and Raiders. It's just they just don't get along. Just don't get along. Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I wish we could do a show on that because it's such a great movie that no one no one remembers, no one cares about. Oh, it was so good. Well, that's a, that's a beautiful segue for a piece of show business that I wanted to do right here on air, and that's to say, stay tuned, guys, for later a couple of weeks from now when we do the best content, the best pop culture of the 2010s. Oh, wow. Could Walter Mitty pop up on that? Not only did you spring that on our audience, you sprung it on me. Exactly. 
That's how I do show business around here. It's really hard for Paul to say no. And now we're trapped. Now we're trapped. It's really hard for Paul to say no. No, that sounds like a good podcast. We can do that. I'm I'm good with that. Gives you a chance to talk about Walter Mitty. Walter Mitty. Love Walter Mitty. Um, But a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a biopic, or not really. Not really. Mr. Rogers, starring none other than Tom Hanks. Um, I have to get this out of the way right up front. I was worried about Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Now, you're not a big Tom Hanks guy, are you? I, I don't dislike Tom Hanks. But we have t- we did talk about Tom Hanks on our best actors of all time. Right. And we talked about why he didn't make my list. And for me, Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks and everything right. that he's in. Right. He's likable, but he's Tom Hanks. He doesn't... You know, he's the opposite of a Daniel Day-Lewis who loses himself in right. his roles. Right. Um, opposite of Brad Pitt in that he's pretty good. <laughs> Wrong. Um, and so I I didn't like the cast when the casting of Mr. Rogers. Were you when nervous? I heard about it. I, I just was like, ah, he's going to be Tom Hanks. Right. Not Mr. Rogers. Like, I honestly wanted them to take somebody who was relatively unknown. Like, actually, my pick uh, at the time was the guy who played, um, oh, what's his name now? The science teacher in... Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really wanted him to, like, I wanted somebody to be like that, that was unknown. Um, you, know. you wanted to go for the typecasting. Yeah, somebody who fit the, the, the body a little bit better, kind of had the build, like, you know, and, and didn't have this persona, and they could just lose themselves in this character and get big, you know, that way. And um, so, you know, I, I did not like the casting, and I have to say, after having... Watch the film. Uh, the actor's name is Randy Havens. He played mm-hmm. Mr. Clark in Stranger Things. Look that up if you want to see who would have been the right cast for this movie because I did. I, I still do not like Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. You don't? I okay. don't. So I can um, tell you definitively that you were wrong. Yeah. And you I, know how I can tell you that definitively? Yeah. I talked with Mrs. Rogers. I And she says it – okay, she said it in front of the screening. I don't know if this video clip is going to be – in front of all showings of this, but they have Joanne Rogers. Right. Do a little clip before the screening we saw at least. And Didn't see it on mine because okay. I saw it so early. Gotcha. You know? Maybe they hadn't filmed it yet. Right. And and she's very sweet and she says Fred would have loved Tom Hanks playing him. He would have been thrilled with how it went. And so I get that. I get that. I understand that. That's sweet. I think it's probably because Fred Rogers was a big Tom Hanks fan. It does not work for Mr. Rogers as a Mr. Rogers fan for me obviously I'm not necessarily in the majority going to be in the majority on this to me it was Tom Hanks trying to do Mr. Rogers and being Tom Hanks he's not he and here's the thing he's not bad he's just not the right cast for the role in my opinion I get I get he's likable but he does not get there for me. He he ends up being a tryhard, in my opinion. And at certain moments when he's, I think, supposed to be getting us across, you know, more of a, a warm, kind of playfully awkward, caring Mr. Rogers, he even at times comes off as creepy in the movie. You are completely and utterly So wrong. there's that. You are completely and utterly wrong. All that said, first, all that said okay. I liked the movie. So... First, I got to say, because I talked with Joanne Rogers. That's a, that's a cool thing. That's a cool thing, name dropping, of course. I, I needed but to name, cool drop, name drop. And I needed to quote her, if I can, 
whip out my reading glasses and read what she actually said. Go ahead. This will give me a chance to chug my water. (laughs) I heard someone say that Tom Hanks kind of disappears into his characters. Jake. That's what she said. That's what he said. That's what she said. Joanne Rogers, wonderful human being, terrible talent. And it's true, she said. He's very, very good at it. The first time I saw a picture of him dressed like that, he was sitting down by his trailer, and I had to look twice. I knew they had done hair and eyebrows for him, and that's it. Even the size of him. Even though it's different, he knows how to disappear into a person. He just did a fabulous job, I thought. Yes. Again, he's not bad in the classical sense of, like, he does a... he, He can't act. And he's not likable. He certainly does a passable job. It, for me, it just did not work as Mr. Rogers. So here's my take on, on Tom think, Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Go ahead. And then I'll, I'll, I'll just hammer it down. <laughs> so I think that one of the things I was also, to be honest with you, I really like Tom Hanks. You know I'm a huge Mr. Rogers fan. Right. I was a little bit bothered by the casting as well. And I don't think he disappeared from me as much as he did for Joanne Rogers, who should know what she's talking about. But the thing that I really appreciated about about Hanks in this role is that I didn't I never found him creepy. But I thought that he brought a depth to the character that really surprised me. One of the things that that the the story sort of hammers home is how intentional Mr. Rogers was in everything that he did. How the how the person he was speaking to at the moment was the most important person in that moment of Mr. Rogers' life. And the Joanne Rogers character in the movie actually says something that I found really interesting. She says, "You know, it doesn't come naturally." He works at this. And there were times when the reporter guy, the, the whole story is, is basically wrapped around this, this story that an Esquire, cynical Esquire reporter is, is doing on Mr. Rogers and why he's a hero, even though uh, the cynical reporter doesn't think that anybody really deserves that. Um, it's sort of wrapped around that. When the reporter whose name is Lloyd Vogel, I believe, in mm-hmm. the movie, he, um, he asks an awkward question about his, his difficult relationship with his sons or you know, some, some deeply personal thing you can, you can watch. And I think you really need to have an actor like Tom Hanks to do this. You watch as he processes the question, is Mr. Rogers? Never moves a muscle on his face, but you can see all these emotions. When he's talking about his son... You see the pain, you see the anger at the question, you see all that go across his face as the character Mr. Rogers decides how he's going to answer that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm really glad that they had an actor like Tom Hanks who can bring about the warmth and the charm of a Mr. Rogers but has the depth of personality to show some of the stuff that's going on underneath as well. Yeah, and you know what? That... That actually segues nicely into sort of where I landed on this as mm-hmm. I was trying to process my own reaction to it was I felt actually I think the literal opposite that I felt after watching Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, interesting. Where we had a, a another case where we had a well-known actress playing a well-known actress. Right. Who – And Emily like, Blunt. I'm a huge Emily Blunt fan. Yeah, and a lot – very likable – person Um, and of course we all love Julie Andrews and what she brought she's awesome yeah 
Um, so when I watched Mary Poppins Returns, I was struck by how I thought Emily Blunt really nailed the look and sort of the um, outward embodiment mm-hmm. of the character, but really, but that her the the writing of the movie, the the plot of the movie missed the spirit of Mary yeah. Poppins. Yeah, and what I and so it was like you got the window dressing right. But you missed kind of the spirit. You missed the heart. Um, and I felt the opposite about Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, where I could not get past kind of that out the outward trappings. Sure. And I, I couldn't believe him as Mr. Rogers. I never, you know, could never get there. I was trying. Um, and I just didn't like that. Right. Didn't, didn't care for his... The outward portrayal or whatever, uh, just the trappings just didn't do it for me as Mr. Rogers, but the spirit of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And I think, to your point, that Tom Hanks captures in moments, even if he doesn't feel to me like Mr. Rogers, the the spirit he captures in this movie, I think, captures very well. And so I, that's where I came away liking the movie, whereas I did not. I very much did not with Mary Poppins Returns yeah. last yeah. year. The thing that it surprised me about beautiful day in the neighborhood is how many chances they took it was a very interesting narrative not not the like we talked about earlier it's not a straight biopic it's sort of this this i think i wrote somewhere that it sort of straddles in between mr rogers home in pittsburgh and the neighborhood of make-believe you know it has it has elements of both and it's very truthy in a way um but it takes some really interesting narrative chances it starts off with Mr. Rogers coming into his studio home like he always does, and then he starts telling the story of this journalist. And I, I really appreciated, I think, some of the chances that the movie took, even if those chances might be sort of off-putting to some. Yeah, I think they're going to be... I can see already why it was... why the initial reaction's been very polarizing. Mm-hmm. I can see why some people, it's just really not going to be their cup of tea. Right. Because it it does straddle between being like a feel-good dramedy and a biopic and an adult version of Mr. Rogers' druggy neighborhood, all in in the (laughs) same film, right? Yeah. And so, like, you're trying to... Your brain's trying to figure out, okay, what is this movie? Right. And as you know, for me... I like it when movies do weird things like that, even when they don't always land. Like right. I appreciate kind of the courage to go there. And so I, again, that was another reason why I think I ended up liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, though it still doesn't hold a candle to the documentary. I would agree. You know, I thought, I thought A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was really a nice movie. When we, if we talk about our top ten list for the year, it might well make it. But... I don't think I I loved it as much as I was kind of hoping to love it. You, I'm on record on this podcast of being a huge Mr. Rogers fan. Um, and I thought that the documentary from last year, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, was m- one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It yeah. was really, really sweet. This one isn't quite like that. But the thing that I really appreciated about it, someone was telling me as, as we walked out of our screening – that it's a very rare movie that makes you want to be a better person. 
And this was a movie that in its own way encourages you to be better than who you are. We've seen movies that make you laugh, that make you cry, that make you feel powerfully in a certain sort of way. They can convict you on issues. They can even inspire you. But to, to find something that, that you walk away from thinking, you know what, I, I need to be better. I need to be more of an encouragement like Mr. Rogers was, more intentional like Mr. Rogers was. And I think that a lot of people who see this movie are going to walk away with, with that type of instinct, I guess. And, and that, that's something you very rarely see in movies today. Yeah, it's it's worth the watch. It's worth going in and having your expectations uh, altered. I think mm-hmm. you know uh, people are gonna you're gonna hear about how it's odd. You heard that from us. You're gonna hear about how it makes some weird uh, fourth wall, right? Busting right. choices that throw you off, and you know some. But uh, in the end, it feels like they managed to put together something. That is an homage to what Mr. Rogers did for kids, but now for adults. To yeah. say, you you watched this as a kid. This was your childhood. They even have a line, you know, um, where the wife of the journalist is like, don't mess up my childhood. Right. And I think there's a bit of a, that's a bit of a nod to many of the viewers because this is, this is definitely a precious an adult property. movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's covering a very precious property that to a lot of right. people it's a coveted memory of theirs, a cherished rather memory of theirs from childhood. And so, um, but I think they're able to kind of a, to capture the whole spirit of using unconventional and quirky and sometimes hokey means to... Which is very Mr. Rogers-y. That's what I'm saying. Like they managed to capture that yeah. in a movie to adults instead of to kids. Right. And so in that way, I think it ends up being a nice homage to what he did because he was unconventional in sometimes hokey ways, but it meant a lot to the kids. And this is like an adult version of that. Right, right. There's there's one moment in the movie, and I... I hope I'm not spoiling anything big. It's it's the it's the they're in a Chinese restaurant or something like that. They're in a cafe. Yeah. Essentially Here's a here's a spoiler. It's it's hard to say spoiler warning for a movie like this, yeah. but I'll give you a couple of seconds of buffer if you really are one of those who can't stand the slightest little detail being cuz it's a really perturbed. emotional moment. And and so it's so one go of ahead those... and skip ahead. All right, go ahead, Paul. So it's <laughs> Hold on. Okay. <laughs> And keep, okay, here we go. Here we go. No, it's it's a great scene. It's it's Mr. Rogers is sitting down with the journalist who is played by Matthew Rise. Is that his name? Yeah, I don't know. He's the Rees. he's the main Rees. guy from the Americans. He does a fantastic job with this role. But anyway, he's sitting down there and he encourages um, the journalist to just spend ten seconds of time. One minute. One minute. Yeah. Okay. Cool. One minute. He uh, he talks about one minute of time to think about all the people who made him, who brought him where he was. Total silence. This is something that the real Mister Rogers actually did for ten seconds when he accepted an Emmy. He got up there. He accepted his Emmy. He told everybody in the audience, "I want you to think about the people who brought you into being, who made you who you are, for ten seconds." And he said. I'll watch the clock. And there was laughter for a little bit. 
and then by the time it's done, the camera pans over, people are crying, people are weeping, and in this moment, it feels very much like that. To, and, it, and it brings to mind exactly what you were saying, Jake, this sort of sincerity, this hokiness that's a part of it. Um, it feels silly in some ways. It feels naive. And yet when you actually stop and you do this thing, you think about the people who were most important in your life, um, who brought you into being, it's a really powerful moment. Loved it. Yeah. No, it, it ends up working. I think this movie overall for me is sort of the definition of being more than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, there's there's going to be plenty to pick at. It's not particularly um, artful, truly, like in the in the, the traditional sense. It doesn't feel particularly precise. It doesn't feel like it's so you're watching different. the performance of a lifetime. But yeah. it's very different and yeah. it's very unique. And, and it ends up, you're like, that was a nice movie well I came away with something and it and it, it, it it runs against the it runs against the culture of hollywood it, it feels very different just like mr rogers was a different and in, in that way it feels very appropriate to to the theme of it so one question i have for you jake before we move on what do you think that i made a bad decision picking at this for my uh for my fantasy movie league i um, hmm. <laughs> okay, I think so. I think so. I felt less bad about that pick after having seen it. Interesting. Um, now, I can I envision a moment where everybody feels bad about the fact that they didn't really give much love right. to "Won't You Be My Neighbor" it as really a documentary, does, yeah, and gives a bunch of pity awards <laughs> to this one. That I, that's a reality I can imagine living in. Um, <laughs> However, a bunch of pity awards. <laughs> this movie almost having having seen it, I I don't see it getting yeah tons of you know. And part of it is, and, and maybe this sounds a little reactionary to to some, but it, the movie is almost too nice for you know the world that we live in. As Mister Rogers was maybe too nice and innocent for the time that he lived in too. You know, I think that it was that it's hard for something. It's hard for something sincere and boldly sincere to to earn kind of the accolades that you think it might deserve. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I think that lets it off the hook for it's it's not a I don't know. I don't know that it's an awards caliber film in general. It's creative. It's plucky, but it's it's also plucky. hokey and it's also, you know, just not. Like it's not the pinnacle of filmmaking. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Even for this year, and again, that's I liked the movie. I think it's right. better, but I just don't see it as being from a filmmaking standpoint, an acting standpoint, directing. You know, whatever that is, I don't see it being an awards quality yeah. film. Now, of course, it's going to win everything, and I'm going to lose for the second straight year in a row. But <laughs> that's that's how well, I, that's a given. Now I'm now on whether saying whether a that. beautiful day drives me to victory or whether it will be something else. Right. Who knows? But yeah, I, I did feel less bad about the pick after having seen it. So there's that. Uh, but again, uh, if I had to give this movie a numerical rating, which I think I do, I would give it a 7.25 out of 10. You know, I tend to think that we just rank things too low. Yeah? Yeah, because I think that even some classics, we never rank really above an 8. We're hard well, I've given judges. some 9s. 
I think I might have even given a 10 to one of the Lego movies at one point. Oh, well. And you're knocking a beautiful day in the neighborhood. No, we'll no, just... I'm not knocking it. It's just not as good as that. That is crisp storytelling. 2001 that Space is Odyssey, a 2. <laughs> Lego movie, 10. Oh, uh, so wrong. Because... So I would give I would give a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a tough movie to rank. You know, it really is. It's it's For some people it's going to be a 10, for some people it's going to be a 4. You know what? A beautiful day in the neighborhood is actually like Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. Where you would never go to a restaurant and you would say, you know what? You know what sounds really good? Turkey and mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce and this weird casserole thing with with Green marshmallows on top of it. And yeah. All of this mismatched stuff that somehow works. Yeah. And it gets a pass. And all of a sudden Thanksgiving becomes one of our favorite meals. This is almost, this is the, the movie equivalent of Thanksgiving dinner. So where far off. It's, it has some... Weird elements to it. Sometimes turkey's a little dry. Pretty great. If I had to give a norm, numerical rating, I would say an eight. There you go. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Are you going to check it out over your Thanksgiving holiday or a little bit before? I don't know. You, you tell us what you think. Are you excited for this movie? What do you think about Tom Hanks and the casting choice? I'm excited to hear what everybody else thinks. See if I'm alone in my rightness or not. Uh, but now it's time for Rank Geeks. Welcome to Rank Geeks. Welcome inside the rectangular octagon that is my study. <laughs> the rectangular octagon. <laughs> Thought Paul would appreciate wow. that. Wow. wordplay. <laughs> that's, that's, what we, that's what we call algebra. I want one of your kids to draw a picture of a rectangular <laughs> octagon. Uh, but this is the SmackDown, the Brawl House. This is where we're going to rank the top five Disney princesses of all time. What if we all agree with all of them? I, it's, it's, it, it's possible. Mm. It's more possible. There, there is a, a more limited... A uh, number of th- uh, options to pick from, right? Exactly. In this, than in many of our other categories, where there's thousands of options. There's um, only what twelve. Oh well, now we're now we're gonna get real interesting uh, <laughs> because kind of not really. Oh my! I did, I did some. I did some digging on this, Paul. Oh no! So uh, we're springboarding off of Frozen Two. Spoiler alert! I enjoyed it. I did too. Spoiler alert, I thought it was funnier than the first one. I did not. What? No, not funnier. It was funnier. No, it was not funnier. It was absolutely no, it funnier. No, it was not. I have watched both of them within the last seven days, and I can tell you categorically it's funnier. No, you'd be wrong. <laughs> You're just wrong. You've, you've probably seen Frozen, like the original, 27 times now, I, right? I, I have seen it. So the jokes are going to wear a little thin. Sure. I think that if you had come to Frozen with a fresh eye, I think it would have been funnier. That's not to say that Frozen 2 is not funny, because it is funny. But Frozen is a superior movie. I'm not. Uh, that's not the point I was making. Um, I was not making a point about which was a superior movie. I was saying which one was funnier. We haven't even gotten to the there's list, a, and we're already There's arguing. a better joke. There's just... Okay, I do remember watching and, and just being surprised and delighted by the first Frozen um, you know, the story worked. 
It gets you with a twist at the end. It's got laughs along the way. You fall in love with the goofy little snowman, right? Goofy little snowman. He's so funny. So funny. Olaf. This movie, I laughed out loud in the middle of the screening. Yes, you did. <laughs> like, that, I I, as that. it came out, I was like, that was weird. Why am I? I did not, what? like, I was not, and it was a build. It was a build. The yeah. laugh was a build. Like, I was laughing silently, and then one line got the, the guffaw out of me. It's like and when you accidentally fart. You just don't know that it's going to come, Right there it is. I didn't there it expect is. it. Yeah. So, uh, that, for me, and and then there were multiple times like that. It was just not not where I was as loud as the, the one time. It was great. <laughs> it was fantastic. But uh, the, I, I do still stand by it being funnier. Uh, well, I do have to say... There is Olaf's narrative is pretty hilarious. So oh good. my goodness, it it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, um, but this this uh, so Frozen Two worth the watch. If you're one of those conservatives that was worried about if it was going to go in a certain direction, it didn't go in that direction. But you might be offended by where it did go. Yeah, because it does have some problems. Content caveat. But you know well, what? You're not going to be offended not... by that part because Christians gave up on that like back after Pocahontas. Yeah, we're just kinda... Poca- like Christians yeah. gave up on the whole like spirits. Like they don't care about that ever since Pocahontas, right? I think that some of them do care. I hear from them. I get letters. You from do them get quite a bit. Paul gets the Paul's a bit in his like bubble because he gets the letters from the crazy people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can say that because I don't work where Paul works. <laughs> Paul can't say that because he'd risk offending people. Uh, Paul has to deny that publicly. He has to say allegedly, allegedly, allegedly crazy. <laughs> but anyway, no, it's 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 got some interesting elements. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, it, it, worth worth the watch. But um, where it, it springboards into this conversation and into Paul's point about the the twelve, right? Uh, is that Anna and Elsa are not in the twelve? If you're See, going by the twelve. I'm not in the Disney princess brand either. Because Frozen was so big, Disney has opted not to include Anna and Elsa under the official Disney princess brand. However, they are considered Disney princesses in the global Disney canon. They are, yeah. I I think that to, to accept what Disney accepts in their own canon is a little bit crazy in this case because clearly Anna and Elsa, I can't believe I'm... I'm talking about this. But clearly, Anna and Elsa, they are descended from royalty. They were both princesses. One became queen. Yep. In but Frozen. she was a princess. But she was a princess. Yeah. She, you know, I think that I think that it fits. So, yes. And, and, that, and that was actually the fact, like, this was the fascinating thing for me as the know-it-all, because I didn't know this, about the Disney princess right. universe, is that there's several different distinctions like and overlapping uh, circles within the idea of Disney princess. Right. So there is the there's like the original like that they have to have been born to royalty. Right. right? right. Or married into royalty. Right. Your Cinderella, your Snow White, your Sleeping Beauty, your uh, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Ariel. Uh, thing princesses like that that are like the, these are the tried and true twelve, right? Gowns, tiaras, the whole bit. But however, then you take a step 
beyond that, and you have the ones that are not a part of the Disney princess brand, but are clearly princesses, like your Annas and your Elsas, um, like your, oh, why is this escaping me, your Mulans, your Vanellope von Schweetzes, and things like that, uh, that have that are princesses in different ways, but are not considered under the Disney princess yeah. brand uh, because of different caveats, but they are considered Disney princesses. Then it takes another step further. Disney is insane. Then it takes another step further, and they actually also, that the Disney princess can be a female character that is a strong primary character, even if it's not in her own movie, who has heroic qualities even if she doesn't have the designation of See, a princess. And that doesn't even make any sense. So your uh your um oh I had a had a, I lost my example. Alice in Wonderland. Yes. You know, because she would not be a princess in right. any way. Um right. but you know, I'm sure that some people would consider her a princess. But when you think about... Oh, you're Mulan. Mulan was meant to be in that example, where she is never marries into being a princess uh, on screen, nor does she... Yeah. Nor was she born into royalty, but she is considered a Disney princess. Right, right. I, I think that I think that it's all insane. I think, I think for our purposes, and if you have done this differently, Jake, I am appalled. Good. You gotta have you gotta have actual princess princesses. Be appalled, Paul. But Anna and Elsa are a part of that. Well, but they're not. If you go by the the, the We're true not going Disney by princess the Disney brand, so you yourself are bending the rules. It's dumb. You yourself have it's already bent dumb. the rules. No, so am, you can't be am, appalled with me if I, am, I happen to bend the rules. I Paul, am creating that, what's number five? better rules. <laughs> what's number five on your list? Snow White. Snow White. <laughs> She's the worst. <laughs> See, I knew you were going to say yes, that. Yes, because she's come up on the top, the bottom five Disney movies of all time. Oh, no. Yeah, remember is, she was on my bottom five? Yeah, that is, that's right. No. So Snow White is a great, great movie, first of all. Nope. And Snow White is a princess. She is a princess. She's a terrible princess. She is not exactly what you would want in a princess today. But here's the thing. Is she wait. No, here's here's the no, thing. She's not a princess you want then either. No, 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 no. See just because no, it was accepted totally. just because it was accepted doesn't mean it was. No, right. look, look at this. So so you we're talking about strong Disney princesses, right? Are we? She started the whole princess thing. She is the forerunner. But that she does is not the make her strong. Billie Jean King of Disney princesses. She broke the mold. She what goes mold did into. She, break? she created this whole. She created the whole Disney empire without Snow White. There would have been but no was, Disney princesses. She did to not come break along. any molds. She though. did break molds. What mold did you, just because the she whole was the movie? First. The whole no, no. movie broke no, so you're many that, molds. You're saying that Disney, the animation, the overall, like what they accomplished from a movie making perspective, was revolutionary. Snow White herself broke zero molds. She was a part of that movie. She, she was every movie. She was dumb. No, no, no. She was dependent. She on was a man. not dumb. She was, she was valued she, because of how pretty she was to one man and because of how. Useful she was as a housekeeper to the others. <laughs> she was a very strong. What mold character. did she break? She was a very strong character How? in her own way. She she actually left the castle 
granted she was thrown <laughs> out sort of yeah, she had to she flee for her life she had to flee for her life I, I feel bad for her I feel bad for her for but she's not a then, strong princess and then she managed to find a way she found, find, found a place of safety with a very unlikely group of men <laughs> and, and she she managed she, she because did, of men well but she she was able to do it because of her ingenuity and her creativeness and her love and compassion and her ability to sing. I appreciate her love and her compassion. No knock on that. But you got to give still Snow not, White props. You got to give again, her. I'll give you props for like what the Disney movie itself did for animation and Hollywood and the industry and movie making. But I I cannot give her props for being a strong princess. You because have she's to not. look beyond the little little voice, and you have to go beyond. You have to, <laughs> I she has the worst voice. She really does have the worst voice. She drives me crazy in a lot of ways. But when you look past all the stereotypical stuff that people knock her for, she is strong. She is powerful. She is all woman, all feminist. All the time. No. At best, partially. (laughs) At best, partially. And that she embodies some good... Anyways. She is... I've made my point clear. She is is more admirable than I think most people give her credit for. And if you dig underneath... She's not admirable in certain ways. She's just not a great princess. I don't like her singing. But go ahead. It's your turn. (laughs) Number five on my list of the top five Disney princesses is none other than Vanellope Von Schweetz. Who is that? From Wreck-It Ralph. I don't know if that should count. It absolutely does count. Because what we discover, spoiler alert for Wreck-It Ralph, what we discover at the end of (laughs) Wreck-It Ralph is that she is not a glitch, that she is actually the princess of the racing game that she's a part of. Now, doesn't that make her just look like Princess Peach? The most passive person in the... I I haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph, so I don't know. You haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, I can't believe I just spoiled Wreck-It Ralph for you. Thank you so much. That makes so me very sad. Much. How have you not seen Wreck-It Ralph? I have not seen Wreck-It Ralph. This is one of the better modern animated movies. So I've heard. There. Okay, so I've heard, spoil, but now I won't, I won't watch it. I spoil other parts of it. Thank uh, you. You'll, but because there's there's other things I didn't spoil there that you can you know you'll be fine. Um, Vanellope von Schweetz is a princess. She does at one point reject her title as princess. And gives herself the title of president, but that she's able to do that because she's a princess, and that means she was a princess at one point. So Vanellope von Schweetz is there, but she's she's spunky, she's self reliant. When she is kicked just like out, Snow White, when she's kicked out of the kingdom and she has to fend for herself, she does that. Just like Snow White, no, she and she rescues Ralph in multiple instances. She doesn't need Ralph. Always to rescue her, they have this nice mutuality going on. You know That's what I mean? Great. And she doesn't need romance. She doesn't need a man to save her. I keep and talking about Rick and Ralph. So she I, needs a friend. I don't Ralph have to watch it. Just great. Number five on my list. Paul, number four for you. Number four, Cinderella. Oh, my word. That's not as bad as Snow White. Cinderella's great. Cinderella's great. I think that Cinderella actually is one of the, the pinnacles of, of Disney animation achievement. But you put her at four. I put her at four. <laughs> and, and the reason is, again, this is, this is a very typical feminine Disney princess, right? When, when you think about the, the Disney princess that Anna and Elsa in the Frozen movies are sort of um, subverting, it's these two princesses. Yeah. And yet, I would make an argument that 
When you look at Cinderella, she was doing the very best she could under the circumstances that she had. She was nice. She was kind. She was very sweet and did what was asked of her to. Exactly. She had a lot of really admirable qualities. And I don't think... Here's my here's here's the big thing. I don't necessarily think, although I really appreciate these much more modern Disney princesses that we're seeing, the the strong princesses that can save the prince, that can do these other things. I really love that and I I'm very happy that that's happening. I don't think that we should knock the more traditional feminine princesses that sometimes we see. Sure. Uh, and, and I think that's where um, Cinderella, I think, was closer. Now, famously, Cinderella in my house growing up, famously to my family, Cinderella was my, – my dad is a longtime feminist well before – uh, you saw many Christian men labeling themselves feminists. And he hated Cinderella because he was very – he he thought it was ridiculous that you had I love this, your dad, but I disagree with that him. That you had this strong character and in the end she's saved not by you know her good – not by her hard work and her perseverance, but because a man thought she was hot. And he hated that message about Cinderella and he, he, he was not shy talking about it. Um, now, the interesting, interesting thing to your point with Cinderella is that as a viewer, we watch most of the movie with her showing her character. Right. And her perseverance, her hard work, her patience, her forgiveness, you know, like how she serves and is very servant-hearted even when she's downtrodden. She has a very – honestly, it's a very – in some ways a very Christian attitude about her. Right. And so – now, that does get a bit subverted when the prince, like, doesn't have the time to get to know her, and so he is just infatuated with how beautiful and sparkly she is. Um, you know, that's a, I, I, that you can write, but I think modern Disney, not even modern, but since then, uh, other Cinderella movies have righted that. Mm-hmm. Like, Ever After right. is right. a great example of that with Drew Barrymore, fantastic film. You know, it can get hokey and be goofy, but it's a good. It's worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, where you see the development of a relationship, and that it's the character that draws the the prince and Cinderella together. Um, but to your point, Cinderella, at least we see much like in a context where she, you know, is not doing this for attention. You know, she's we see not even attention. Um, we see her. Toiling, we see her working in obscurity, faithfully serving, even though she's downtrodden. We could make the argument that she should have stood up for herself a long time ago, sure, but she finally does it. And her yeah, way for Cinderella, I'm not gonna not gonna blast you for this pick like Snow White. Snow White did not belong in the top five. Snow White totally belonged on the top top five. Four done for you. Number four for me, Moana. Mm. Moana. I, I another really, movie I haven't seen. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to spoil this one for you, for you either. But um, you know, an, uh, this one was uh, surprising to me. You know, in a lot of ways, I didn't know what to expect going into Moana, but I was really taken with this this young girl and her heart for her own family, for stretching and growing them, for her people, and for um, you know, she just had. She had, you know, the she to me embodied what you want in a princess. She she had this resolve to care for people. Um, you know, that was that and put herself in harm's way like 
in mm-hmm. multiple different instances and uh, a grit um, without losing her femininity. And, you know, to kind of to your point, she didn't have to not be pretty. She didn't have to reject all these other feminines. She didn't have to be butch to be a strong female character. She could be both feminine and strong at the same time. I appreciate that about Moana. That's why she made number four on my list. Number three for me, Belle. Belle from Beauty and the Beast. One of the stronger female characters in the earlier Disney canon. Earlier Disney canon. See, for me, that's mid-Disney canon. Sure, mid. See, I meant mid. <laughs> I meant mid. I said early, I meant mid. <laughs> yeah, so I really liked Belle because, number one, she's that actually... Even if she does suffer from Stockholm Syndrome. Well, there is that. But in, in the Disney canon, as we talk about, she is the very first princess who actually ends up saving the prince. She uh, she winds up, you know, she does it in, in you know, the traditional love's first kiss type of a thing. But sure. still, she she shows a lot of strength, a lot of resilience. And, and I am also just partial to her because she's so bookish. You know, like the bookish. I like the bookish. She's able to, she loves to read. She rejects Garcon. If only some of the girls I liked in high school would have done that, I would have oh, been a much happier this is person. an early crush for Paul. <laughs> well, not early for Paul. He was an adult male when this movie came out. So, creepy. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you knew I'd find a way. Oh, you knew I'd find a way. Number three for me. Is I think probably the perfect uh, embod- one of the one of the perfect embodiments of uh, strong and feminine, and that is Princess Anna of Arendelle. Princess Anna, Arendelle, Arendelle, Arendelle. Yeah, um, she is so darn likable. Isn't she, she really is. Uh, it's a voiced huge, by Kristen Bell. As I say, a huge shout out to Kristen Bell because Kristen Bell has a very likable quality. Yeah. To the, she brings a very likable quality to this character and to other roles that she does. Yeah. She just sort of has an infectious likability. She really does. Not unlike a, a, a Tom Hanks, if you will, where it's not like yeah. she's losing herself in these characters. You know, you wouldn't be that. You know, you, there's not a big jump from Anna of Arendelle to uh, her character in The Good Place. In or, some ways, yeah. Um, but. You have a character here that bigger is bigger jump to Veronica Mars, perhaps. But. I never watched Veronica Mars. Oh well. But, podcast. Uh, <laughs> but you have you have someone who's deeply committed uh, to to doing conflict with family and working through life with family um, with her sister and um, and that is a as we know with the first Frozen movie that subverted everyone's expectations. No romantic love at all. Yeah, no, I I really I think that that's one of the things I loved about the original Frozen was just how effectively and how emotionally it subverted everything. And I think that I think that Anna was a huge part of that. You know, I think Elsa is a powerful character in her own right. Uh, she is an amazing singer, and but she's a she's a very conflicted character. Anna has all the characters that you would want in some ways, you know, when it really comes down to it. She's a little bit flaky. She can be a little bit spontaneous. Yeah, yeah, a little bit flighty. I think that that flighty is probably a better word for it. She, uh, but she clearly has a heart for her sister. She clearly has a lot of, you know, she's just, she's just really sweet. I I agree with that. She might be the most likable Disney princess. Even if Mm. that didn't vault her to number one on my list, I think 
she just might be about the most likable Disney princess. Boy. Like, we could hang out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough to argue. I mean, she is just so she is just so darn likable. Yeah. She's almost annoyingly likable now that I think about almost it. Almost there. You're right. Almost oh, there. Oh my goodness. Number right, two. Number two, Paul. Tiana. Tiana. Princess, princess and the, the Frog. Frog. Jinx. Buy me a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this movie. I'm I'm a little sad that it doesn't get the respect that I think it deserves. It was the very last um, 2D hand-drawn animation movie by by Disney, and it had one of the more remarkable princesses to star in it. She was she was not a princess by birth. She becomes sort of a princess by accident in terms of the story. It has this big festival where she becomes a princess for a night or whatnot. Um, but she is remarkable in terms of her um, work ethic in terms of her ingenuity, in terms of her strength, in terms of her ability to to persevere through some really difficult times. I really like Tiana. It makes me want to watch the movie again, honestly. And if you haven't seen A Princess and the Frog, you really should go see it. Yeah, it's it's as I was making this list, it was one that I was thinking about because it came out at a time in my life that was pretty just pretty blurry. Yeah. Like blurred in terms of busyness. You know, right. I was Working full-time, going to school full-time. I think I had two or three kids at the time. Yeah. I don't remember the number. Like, we're just, everything was kind of... <laughs> well, you sort of lose I was, you know, I was, like, that whole time of my life is very blurred. <laughs> uh, just with everything going on. And so I remember seeing it and appreciating it, but not being, like, struck by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't know how much of that was just, like, I was so distracted by everything else going on in life. Like, did I really... Do I even really remember what yeah. happened? I remember there was like a creepy voodoo guy. Creepy voodoo guy. It's it, about, and there was a frog. I don't know. It like, had some you know. great visual images. I can't say that it necessarily is, like, for me, Disney really began sort of their resurgence before their 3D phase with The Little Mermaid. I love The Little Mermaid. Um, and Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Aladdin, all those were really incredible movies. I don't know if Princess and the Frog necessarily rises to that level but it's pretty close in my estimation and they really did do a very good job with that movie number Number two two for me shuri who shuri 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 you just no i don't who is that Ah, stumped you see you're you're just you're putting these names on here just for shock value. This is not for shock value. This is legitimately. This was one I was like, oh, that's right. She is a Disney princess. Who is she? Boom. Shuri is the princess of Wakanda. <laughs> that's Did right. Say no, Played no, by no, Letitia no, Wright. No, she is no, officially considered no, a Disney princess. No. She here's, is. I looked it up. It's on the website. She no, is considered no, no, a Disney no, princess, no, no, as no, is no. Gamora. She may also. be. She may be a princess. But we were talking about while we were discussing this very podcast. We said animated Disney princesses. She is not. Sure animated. did not. It was just top five Disney no, princesses. No, no. There no, was never. It was no. not. No, 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 no. We never said anything about no. them having to be uh, this is, I, you, This is now officially under protest. <laughs> I am officially protesting also, this podcast. The Black Panther movie was mostly animated. <laughs> but Shuri was not. A lot of the stuff she was wearing probably was. She was pretty cool. 
Yeah. And she was pretty awesome. I actually had this conversation with my sister not long ago. I actually thought that Black Panther was the more effective feminist movie than Captain Marvel. Mm. Because Captain Marvel, it was very in your face, right? You like, know, I yeah, totally agree with feminist. That. Yeah, yeah, super feminist. And that has its place, but is also sort of what we knock Christian movies for. Like, yeah, we're a Christian movie. I'm such a Christian movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas in Black Panther, it's like, this is just a awesome superhero movie and look at these powerful awesome women doing awesome things and shuri is one of the foremost in that she's a super smart scientist she creates all the cool tech that uh you know black panther uses his suits his cars his everything it's she's a she drives for him virtually from her secret lab she's basically a doctor i mean and she's a pretty smart teenager she's a very smart teenager She's got some fighting skill that we see later on. Maybe not quite Black Panther level, but Shuri, Princess of Wakanda, number two on my list. So wrong. I mean, it's a great pick. It is a great if pick. If it was Thank what you. we were actually picking. It is what we were we picking. We were talking about it was animated never said, princesses. Nope, it was top five animated Disney princesses. princesses. In your own mind, you animated. said animated. You never said it out loud. Animated. <laughs> Ball number one. <laughs> number one for me. This is going to shock you. Okay. Lay it on me. Merida. Merida. I, I would have been more shocked if it was um, Maid Marian. Oh! <laughs> no. Since you hate oh, Robin Hood. Oh, gosh. Hart. I hate Robin Hood so much. Even though I love it. Uh, um, so, Merida. Such a terrible Yeah, not, you know, um, it doesn't, doesn't shock me too much. I think Merida, the character, was liked more than Brave the Movie. You know, I, that may be true. I really liked Brave the Movie, too. I'm one of the only people who I think really thinks it's a strong movie. I mean, it's, it's considered bookish. It's one of those movies that, in terms of Pixar movies, um, it's it's considered to be one of the lower-ranked Pixar movies it's because like, all those movies are so good. It's like the it's like the Thor one. That's exactly right. Of Pixar movies. <laughs> that's, that's a really good comparison. That's that's the smartest thing you've said all <laughs> podcast. No, it's a... It, and I love the character. I think that the, the thing that I love about it is that unlike a lot of these princesses that we talked about, they don't really... Even the good ones, they don't necessarily have exactly an arc. They don't necessarily grow as people. Merida really does within Brave. You see that she's headstrong. She's She stands up for herself to a fault. She she has a lot of those really strong, vibrant characteristics that you, we look for in princesses today and that you would think would be very queenly, very important for a queen ruling in this fictional form of Scotland. Um, but she realizes that she has to temper it with with responsibility and duty and and dealing with the things that she has to deal with as an adult and i really valued that message i think that that's a that's a unusual message that is not often spoken of in movies even pixar movies and so because of that i really dig merida yeah i think the character development in brave is underrated because so many people just didn't care the the aesthetic of the movie or the t- you know whatever wasn't their favorite thing um you know kind of kept them from going too deep with it and but i've said before one of the reasons i struggle with musicals is that it short, often shortchanges character and plot development and i think that is a problem with disney, disney princess movies they make up for it with entertainment value funny characters catchy songs 
And Olaf talking usu- snowmen. Usually short run times. Um, but Brave was not didn't have to be a musical. Right. And so you got a different level of character development in that film that I think lends itself to the character arc that you see in Merida. Yeah. Um, and you didn't need to spend any time on romance. So. <laughs> exactly. That's always a benefit. So there you go. Number one. That's a good pick, Paul. I'm not, I'm not knocking that one. Number one for me. Much better than Shuri. Number one for me is Mulan. Mulan! That's right. Not an official Disney princess, she, but she is at least animated. She is officially a Disney, Disney princess, even though she was not truly a princess, uh, because she didn't marry the prince. Or the, you know, Right, right, right. Uh, but she is, she is considered a Disney princess in the outside of the brand uh, of Disney princess. And for me, Mulan uh, is one of the Disney movies overall that I enjoy the most. I think it's got a really nice blend of humor, of action. Like there's some, you know, some yeah. of the war yeah. and battle scenes in Mulan are legitimately well done. Yeah, features some good camera work, which is a funny thing to say about a about a an hand drawn movie, movie yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, Mulan herself as a character is, uh, we've talked at length elsewhere about uh, like Wonder Woman, where like where they captured in the Wonder Woman movie, they captured. Uh, this very soft and gentle and feminine side within this warrior aesthetic, right? Uh, with Gal Gadot and Diana Prince slash Wonder Woman. And I think Mulan did it before then mm-hmm. because we see her. She she is a woman. She le- you know she cleans up nicely. She loves caring <laughs> for her family um, and you know making meals and like even if that's not all her favorite thing, like. She she enjoys the duty to her family, even if she wants to do more, even if she right. knows she can do more, and that she's being held back. Um, you know, she is a woman, and undeniably so. And so she doesn't have to. And even and so, that's the funny thing about Mulan is, even though she has to deny her womanliness to pretend to be a man, you can see she never loses it. Even a, like in that she brings it with her into her manly qualities, and, and that actually it's part of benefits. the humor, right? Right, that's part of the humor, but also part of the heart. Yeah, of Mulan, and she's also a BA warrior. Can't go wrong with and that. So it's like, man, we got a comedy, action comedy that's got some heart to it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Mulan, I I would tend to be more of a stickler for the princess thing, like because if you had said Alice and Alice in Wonderland, I would have said no, there's there's no way, but. When you look at Mulan, there, there's something she gets a pass. I, I think that she totally gets a pass in this princess category. I, I totally picture her as a princess. I think that she's really admirable, really fun, and exactly what you say. I think she has this this great... She's a fully fleshed out character. And I think that that's, that's always exciting when you see it, when, whether it's in a, in a live action movie or an animated movie. Yep. So there you go. Who did we snub? Are you upset that I didn't include Gamora on my list? Did you know that Giselle, Amy Adams' Disney princess character, is not considered a Disney princess because the contract they had with Amy Adams didn't give Disney all of the royalties for using her likeness. So if they use Giselle as a Disney princess, they have to continue paying Amy Adams and they don't want to do that. I think it's ludicrous to, to put live action princesses in this category. That's crazy. Crazy. Paul, 
Uh, That's just wrong. Paul has a bias, obviously. But why uh, not have Princess Leia in there? You could have Princess Leia no, in there now. No, that doesn't work. You could. It, you could. It doesn't but work. Who's your favorite Disney princess? Who did we snub? Who did we put on the list that absolutely doesn't belong there like Snow White? Sure. Let us know on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. Now it's time for the most least important thing. Here we are on the mountaintop of the most least important thing. Or perhaps you had your telescope backwards and we're really on a molehill. <laughs> That's what we do in this segment. We we uh, we tell you what we think about the things in pop culture, whether they're a big or small deal. You know, sometimes I think the longer these podcasts go, the longer your introductions get. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's almost like I'm doing this on purpose to rankle Paul further oh my goodness. and encourage our arguments. <laughs> Paul, what did you bring for us All today? Right. So we already talked about a little bit of, of Thanksgiving dinner. It's comparing true. We did. Beautiful day to Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, not a bad comparison. So let me tell you about another Thanksgiving dinner if you happen to be in the El Paso area. El Paso, Texas? Yes. And or if El you Paso happen, County, Colorado? No, El Paso, Texas. Okay. If you go down to there. the pizza joint in I've, El Paso, Texas. I've not Texas. been to the pizza joint in El Paso, Texas. Yeah, so what they're doing this Thanksgiving yeah. mm-hmm. is they are making a Thanksgiving pizza. Mm. They are putting turkey, mushroom gravy, green beans, stuffing, and cranberry sauce on a pizza. Okay. Are they using tomato sauce on this pizza? No. They're, are they using the gravy as the exactly. in place of tomato sauce? Exactly. Okay. How are they doing the crust? Thick crust, thin crust? Is the crust made of stuffing? <laughs> no. Because you all treat, of a sudden, I'm in. The the lady who is who is the creator of this, she says you treat the, the pizza crust as the dinner roll, essentially. Okay. So right. you just sort of stuff it all in your face because I know that you tend to stuff whole pizzas in your face. Yeah. You can just... Gobble it up and have your whole Thanksgiving dinner on on a big old pie. Yeah. I mean, that's that's basically what I do with Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, like, as a Why, kid... It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, as a kid, I had to have everything separated out, right? right. Nothing could touch. Right. But I'm still like that. Um, that's not how I am anymore. I'm like stuffing and mashed potatoes and green bean casserole. Like, you're all going to go in the same... Just put it in a bowl and shish it and mash. Yeah. And then, then oh, you know what? I might as well throw the turkey in here and all... I've been doing the KFC Famous Bowls for years. For Thanksgiving? Long, yeah, for Thanksgiving. Long before there was a KFC Famous Bowl. I was doing that on Thanksgiving dinner. Now, were people doing that long before me? Probably. Do they have a podcast where they can make it official? No. So you heard it here. I've been doing that for years. Congratulations. I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know. I think... I, I, well, are you going to have some of this pizza? I would try it. I, I, you would? I don't know. I don't Paul know. is the most boring uh, eater. I am not the you most... You would try this? I would try this. It, it makes me curious. I'll, I'd have to scrape off the cranberries because I hate cranberries. See? There, no, you have to try it as it is. I don't know. Would I you don't try know. it as it is? If, if it, someone paid me... How, I much, would, how much would I have to pay you? You would... If you paid me... If you paid me $2... Two? Five. Two. Two. Five. Man, I hear I I was thinking you were going to drop like 20. (laughs) 
Two dollars <laughs> is the number I heard coming out of his mouth. Uh, I think it's five. That's not I think bad. It's five. Yeah, I, I would. That's do not it. bad. That means you're pretty intrigued. I am kind of intrigued, and I can choke down uh, cranberry sauce for five dollars. <laughs> uh, what do you, you got? You wouldn't have to pay me. For me, uh, it's food related, also. Um, but it's and it's also about like whether or not you would eat this. Um, because mine is about green this eggs could be and a ham. New, a new feature. Yeah, green eggs and ham. Is what, my will, most what will Paul eat? What will Paul eat? This is a great idea. Um, the Green Eggs and Ham cartoon series on Netflix. Have you seen or reviewed this yet? No, we have not work? seen or reviewed it. Um, green Eggs and Ham is a new Netflix kids show that's dropped. Of course, based on the beloved uh, Green Eggs and Ham book by Dr. Seuss, which famously only has 50 words on it. That allegedly he wrote on a dare. So how are you going to turn this into a kid series? Well, lots of primping and prodding and multiple storylines and famous actors. Netflix has made what is um, estimated to be the most expensive animated series ever made in Green Eggs and Ham. You're kidding me. It roughly costs about $6 million per episode. Why that expensive? Based on their estimates. So there's an extensive voice cast that they think was probably pretty expensive. Also, the series paid a lot for lots of classic rock songs from The Who, like Won't Get Fooled Again, to Return to Sender by Elvis Presley, and even paid Weezer to make a theme song specifically oh for the series. So you gotta, pay a lot of, you gotta pay a pretty penny to license these songs. But most likely the most important budget element is what Netflix bills as the cinema quality hand-drawn 2D animation. Back to 2D animation. So, there you go. $6 million an episode. Per episode. That's incredible. Is the estimate. Why, Jake? That's a lot of money. We really need to get into voice acting. Right? Wouldn't it be cool to be part of if our you, own little animated right. feature? Absolutely. I'd love to do that. Oh, I'd be so... I'd love it. Every I'd time love. I watch the special features on a DVD and they show the voice actors in studio, I'm like, I want that job. Well, exactly. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah, $6 million per episode. Clearly, I have to think, they released it just within about a week or two before Disney Plus dropped. And so I think this was Netflix being like, no, we'll go yeah. there. We'll, keep, we'll, we'll do more kid stuff. You think you're going to take subscribers from us, Disney? We'll make some kid stuff. We'll pay $6 million per episode to make some kid stuff. And my kids like it. You know, it's pretty interesting, actually, because it, it actually it dropped, I think, the same weekend that The Crown dropped. And that's the most expensive television series of all time. Uh, no, The Crown just dropped this week. Green Eggs and Ham dropped like two Last weeks. week? Yeah. Two weeks ago? Yeah. Oh, man. Green Eggs and Ham has been up a little bit. Makes little me bit. bitter. I'm behind the curve. But The Crown just dropped, so... Um, What's your most least important thing? We always like to hear the quirky things that you're running into because we can't run into them all. So as usual on Twitter, I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I am at AC Paul. And you know what? Leave us a review. That'd be great. But Be nice. If be not, until next time, I'm Jake. I'm Paul. I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Sometimes, for being such a beloved actor, sometimes I think I'm the only guy who likes him.
I think we all like him. We just don't think he's a good actor. He is a good actor. He's, a, he's just he he's doesn't a likeable disappear. Actor. I would have to disagree. He's a likable actor. I, I would have to differ with Joanne Rogers. I don't think he disappears right. that often. I think she's just feeling the sentiment, and I grant her that as Fred Rogers' wife. I tell you what, though, I I think he's been dead you, for like you know almost twenty years. So you know what I think actually Tom Hanks' best role was Philadelphia. No, Saving Mr. Banks. That was, that was a good role. I mean, it helps that most of us don't remember Walt Disney. Yeah, well, that's true. Mr. Rogers was on TV every day. Oh. Okay. 